That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. The Premier League is back. We've had VAR controversies, injuries, drawless games, and honestly, it was glorious. League leaders Liverpool were held to a scoreless draw in the Merseyside Derby with Everton. City cruised past Arsenal, a game which David Luiz would love to forget a 3-0 win for Manchester City. Chelsea brought on the subs, gets a 2-0 victory over Aston Villa thanks to goals from Pulisic and Giroud. Spurs and Manchester United draw 1-1 in a game which saw a late penalty overturned by VAR. And Arsenal had a disastrous result versus Brighton in which they lost and lost their goalkeeper. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. We got the whole crew, Alex Moss, Javier Revelo, along for the ride. Gentlemen, how did it feel? I don't know if I can keep doing this, guys. (laughs) It's week one and he wants to tap out. Like, why did we have to restart the season? I don't know. I mean, I was excited when, like, before the game started, and then as soon as the City game started, I was just kind of like, oh, the first few minute, 15 minutes went okay. And then ever since then, I've just been just been done with my team. So Well, that was about the time when you brought on David Luiz into that game, right? Exa- listen, that's exactly... Listen, we had two injuries in the first 20 minutes. Our whole plan for that game was Xhaka and Paolo Mari playing long balls to Aubameyang. Both of those players go out injured. Um, and since then, we've just looked like shit. No creativity in the midfield. Every, no one looks like they want to play for us right now. Like everyone just looks like they want the season to end. So yeah, that's that's my my like take on. I loved these games. I loved after the Manchester City game where Mikel Arteta was like, "Yeah, there was no place in the squad for Ozil. Like he just doesn't fit." Look, he didn't even play in the Brighton game. Yeah. He took him on the squad, but he just didn't even fucking put him in. He had five subs, still doesn't put in Ozil. That should tell you, uh, but, you know, Ozil's future. At so what does that tell you about Gabriel Martinelli then? I, I don't know. I think he's got a little injury or something because he didn't get any game time whatsoever. Well, I, no. and he was getting a lot of game time before the break. So I don't think it's like a case of, you know, he doesn't like him or whatever. Yeah, I, the, with Arsenal right now, there's a billion penalties. There's a there's a billion injuries. I feel like it's not it's the whole squad is all over the place. Um, and I will say, like, you're right. The first half of that City game, they're in it. And then David Luiz just. I want to say this is one of his worst performances ever, but he was also on the field for the seven-one in the Brazil game against Germany. But like, I, I like this is probably. I, I think I read it. Like he hasn't signed an extension, and with the suspension, it's going to bring him through like the end of the month or whatever. Oh please, please and he, don't sign an extension. I that would have been his last game for Arsenal. I think it, that's Maybe. what I, I was seeing. A lot of people say this is his going to be his last game for Arsenal. You might which, not have a choice if Mari's injured, Socrates is injured. Actually, there's a uh, because of how many injuries we have at center back, it's possible that we can bring Saliba, whose loan um, to Sen at the end ends on yeah, the 30th, and he would technically be. There's an no way player. that you can bring him back. I mean, though. It would, like you can't, like he can't play Premier League games because he wasn't would, registered at the end of the previous transfer window. I think they 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 do make exceptions for. Players okay, great. That were on so we're getting ZX and Werner. No, injuries. we're not. No, because those those are new signings. Those are new signings. We already we already owned Saliba before this season. He was just but on you've loan, never registered. So it, would be, him. it would be like a. 
This, I mean, this you're gonna get. We're gonna get that. What is it? Sevilla did the. No, it wasn't Sevilla. That team in Spain did an emergency signing because their goalie was was injured. Exactly. And they there's, signed there's, Alito. I instead. was reading that there's a way to, for us to get Saliba on after the 30th. So I think it's possible. But apparently, every other Premier League club would be really pissed at us because I think there was some sort of agreement between them that they wouldn't do that. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But I think in terms of David Luiz, I think he's just always had his faults. He's always been like not that great. Like he's been really good at long balls and getting random goals from afar. And um, sometimes he's 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 a beast once every like four or five games. But I think he just always had he always had Ivanovic. He had um, for a while, you know, John Terry next to him and Aspiliqueta. And he's just had amazing defenders to cover his deficiencies. You see at Arsenal when he doesn't have players like that around him, where he needs to be like the man leading the the, the defense that. He's been. He's already conceded. I think five penalties this year. He's by far the players conceded the most penalties in the Premier League. Which and the, is the games that he's conceded insane. those in, he did. He did the uh, red card and penalty and sending off against City. He did the red card penalty and sending off against uh, Chelsea in the two-two in January, and he did the penalty at Anfield earlier in the season. That like it was just like a blatant like. Like he had to give he the pulled, penalty to Salah, right? I don't think he got yeah, sent he off for that one, for sure. but it was like. And then I think it also led to the next goal afterwards. Salah could just run straight past him, and he already had a yellow card, so he couldn't do anything. And Salah just ran in on goal and scored. So, yeah, Javier, you pretty much said what I was going to say. Like, you, David Luiz is a player that you kind of need to hide. You can't have him be the one leading the defense. And if that's what Arsenal Wait. fans were expecting of him, which it seemed like they were, because they were like. Hey, we're getting an experienced center back for only eight million. Like this is going to be great. We're, we were like, good I, luck I with that. I definitely fell for that shit. <laughs> yep. Where is Chelsea, Chelsea's laughing their way all the way to the bank right now? So I heard he's cost between salary, transfer fee, agent fees, twenty four million pound for Arsenal. <laughs> Which is <laughs> yikes. So where is up from here? Is there up from here? I know you just mentioned you got doubled by yeah, Brighton. Yeah, I don't. But I don't. I don't know this season. I mean, yeah, we can just kind of get the, Arsenal, to the, the two Arsenal games out of the way here. Yeah, I mean, we can just shift to the Brighton game too. Um, I mean, I thought that we were doing decently in the first half. Um, I mean, we got to nil nil at the break and we'd had a few chances. Um, I think that that injury to Leno really shook us, which it shouldn't have. You would have thought that like. The players would a have been fired up and lost like, their wanted heads, to do though. something after Gwendouzi that. Gwendouzi lost his head. But they absolutely head. lost their heads. Yeah. So many players looked like they were really shaken Gwendouzi after like that. Gwendouzi punched and, and Malpai I mean, and was like talking shit to him. Yeah. And Malpai after the game was yeah. like, listen, that's what happens when you're not focused on the game and you're too busy trying to talk to me. You end up losing. I mean, it, it was ridiculous that Malpai didn't get a card for that. Um, he absolutely should have been yellow carded for... He, there was no, he wasn't going for the ball. Leno had the ball in his hands and was clearly trying to, you know, to, like push him out of the box, which is what he did. Um, and he wouldn't have landed like that if he hadn't been pushed. So it's really unfortunate because Leno was in phenomenal form. Um, he's probably been our best player since the restart, which is really sad. But yeah, I just hope that... Um, probably been your best player this season, other than Aubameyang. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that. And do you think he's definitely out for the rest of the uh, the remaining league games? I don't think we know the extent of the injury yet, um, but it's very, very possible. I mean, Martinez is a good backup keeper, but again, I've just kind of given up hope for the rest of the season. I don't even, I mean, the way that Wolves are playing, like, uh, it's going to be hard for us to even break top six, I think, so. You just got to figure out, out of the current crop of players, who, what, the, which ones are the definite dead weight. I feel like all three of us could kind of have an idea of that. I think that's the... And then which are yeah. the players that either need to be loaned out for more experience before they can come back to the squad and actually help or can be given for like bigger opportunities next season to 
uh, actually get Arsenal back to where they need to be. Uh, it's, but yeah, and it, that, that, I can understand why that would be kind of kind of a letdown. You know, you're, you're thinking like fresh start going into these last nine or ten games, and then all of a sudden two like back breaking losses. That's yeah, that's frustrating for sure. Here's this. Yeah, I mean, we, here's just, this. We, we needed three points out of these six, out of these two games. Like we needed to maybe get a point from City or at least get this win against Brighton, and we got zero. So it, it just it just makes us have to win every game till now to the end of the season to even get anything like to be able to get top six like obviously our top four chances are gone but yeah it's not looking good is not qualifying for europe actually okay for arsenal next year where they can do what you know chelsea did a couple years ago and when when conte first came in and all he had to focus on was just finding my best 11 for the weekend games like let's be real like this is arteta's first coaching position does he need does he really need to have two games a week to focus on? No, that's a good point. I mean, I wouldn't mind not being in Europa next year, but it's just it is a really good avenue to get that Champions League if you win it. Mm. Um, but I don't think that we're really close to being a Europa League, even a Europa League winning team right now. So um, I, I, I do agree with it. We just got to focus on on what players are going to be staying with us next year. And there's going to be a big rebuild. And I think Arteta's the man to do it right now. Um, you know, he he has ties to the club. He's young. He's ambitious. He's got good, you know, seems to have good tactical awareness. And yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I, he seems to but he seems to like some players that I'm I'm very confused of, like Eddie and Ketia and Gwen Doozy and Joe Willock. And I mean, these are good players, but they're not Premier League starting players for Arsenal. Like you can't be starting those guys week in and week out and expect to, to go anywhere. So, you also can't um, expect those guys a, to go anywhere themselves and become better players if they don't actually get opportunities. So if you're already kind of like in the middle of nowhere treading water in mid-table, why not give yeah, him experience? No, I mean, I'm not blaming him exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's like we're not going anywhere this season when, when those are the players that are starting week in and week out. And um, I mean, all of these injuries have cost us dearly. I mean, no one else has had as bad injuries as we've had in these first two games. So I don't know if that was just not proper preparation or the players weren't fit enough i mean it just it just feels like everyone else has been at least no one else has collapsed like we have in these first few games you know all the games have kind of been close like lester and watford drew you know um i mean we'll get to the other results but there's there's no one else has looked as bad as we have in these games so you know even even wolves and west ham uh, west ham were able to stay in the game for most of the game and you know didn't look completely lost so yeah, it's just grim right now. It's uh, sad times for Arsenal fans, and you know we're just gonna have to grit out the rest of the season. And it's been three really shitty years in a row now. So I'm just, I just want a year of, of some positivity and growth because it seems like it, it's just continued sliding down, which is not good considering that all the other teams, and even like Sheffield and Wolves, have just, I mean, teams like that are getting better and better and signing better players, and you know it's gonna keep getting harder and harder to get into that top six even you know not let alone the top four so just yeah got to keep got to try and build something for the rest of the season figure out those players like you said that we're going to be good for next year all right let's um let's move over to one of the bigger games of the weekend that we all would have had circled going into it and that was tottenham drawing with manchester united bergwine gets the first goal off of some would say a blunder by mcguire but a definite blunder by david de gea and then come on de gea and then bruno fernandez converting the penalty on the 81st um and then he won a penalty in the 90th minute 
that United could have won the game on, and that was quickly overturned by VAR. I, my one thing, how did he not get carded for that? Because, like, if it was a dive, like, it looked like a dive. He looked like he was attempting to No, there, there was a little bit of contact. There was a little contact. That he jumped into. Like, that was, yeah, that was the James Harden no fouls. Call. I just, yeah, I think that's just, oh, that was, that's a good, that's a really good, that's a, that, that's a very James Harden type, like, trying to buy a foul there, but... I, I would say that it's just a no call. Um, I think the referee is the, the referee has been pretty atrocious so far. Um, and I mean, what, what do you expect though? I mean, it's uh, I don't know. I'm just I, happy they overturned it. I thought the game. I thought the game. I thought United probably deserved to win the game overall, though. I thought uh, once they on the play. once they brought on Pogba, I definitely thought they looked better. But it was it was also classic. It was a classic Mourinho spurt like game. Like we've seen this with every team he's ever managed. It's especially when you're the underdog, quote unquote. You get the early goal, and then you just set up shop and don't do shit for the rest of the game. Which is like, I guess when you have this Tottenham team, sure you can do that. But some of his star players are back and healthy and it's like Harry Kane uh, from what I watched I didn't see much from Harry Kane where I was like oh I'm really afraid of this nothing. guy right now or like Giovanni Lo Celso came even, on even he even human son yeah. human son did nothing either it was um it just neutered. I mean Bur Burwine was Burwine was the only player which you really saw kind of taking it to United um and like you said the Tottenham were just sitting back and once they got the early goal they just went into Mourinho mode um but that goal was just should have never happened. I mean, it was pretty much right at De Gea, which, uh, I mean, for someone who's been the Spanish international keeper for almost 10 years now, um, whoa, 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 you would whoa. absolutely Kepa, expect Kepa him to the, do better the there. Spanish national team keeper now. <laughs> okay, now yeah, he, he has is, been but, for the past uh, year, ever since De Gea was terrible at the World Cup. Sure, okay, but but it's it's been, he was the there for a good nine Spanish years. The former Spanish national and, you team know, goalkeeper. <laughs> I think he's making something like two hundred, no, two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred fifty thousand, three hundred. Wow. Okay. So, and that's and that's the problem is and they've got obviously Dean Henderson out on loan at Sheffield United, who's been fantastic this season, and like you can't tell me he's not a Premier League starting goal caliber goalkeeper, but there's not going to be able to move on from David De Gea on those wages because no one's going to take those wages on a keeper, and no one's going to take him on the form that he's in right now. So it's like they're kind of this is but this is what Manchester United have been doing for years. It's they they don't want to lose a player. So they sign him to ridiculous wages and then they need to get rid of them and they can't. It's the same problem they have with Alexis Sanchez. It's what took them so long to dump. They haven't even officially dumped Lukaku from the books. He's technically on loan at Inter. Like this is this is just the Glazers and poor management. And it's like if you're a United fan, yeah, it sucks. If you're the rest of us, it's freaking hilarious. But that's just the way it is. I think I think the one big positive is that once, like you said, once Pogba came on, um, they looked so much better with Pogba, Fernandez, uh, and Bruno Fernandez in the midfield. I mean, those Bruno Fernandez was has been a really good signing, and has absolutely elevated that team um, to like another level. And I think that they just need to build around him. I think they can just forget Paul Pogba, sell him for a bunch of money, um, and build their team around Bruno Fernandes. I think they've got pieces there. They've got good strikers, you know. Uh, Greenwood's a good, really good young striker. Martial and, and Rashford are still relatively young. Um, and they've got some some decent midfielders in, in Fred and McTominay. Um, I think they need to get some defenders, obviously. I think um, they're a little bit uh, faulty in the in the wing-back position, and, and their center-backs are, are pretty dire. Um, I think Maguire's good, but he's not... I don't think he's a top four level center back. I don't think he would make it on any other top four team. That's um, not true. Come on. So, like, I, 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 who do you who do you think would I'm want giving him? I'm giving a slight uh, pass to him 
for that uh, that goal on Friday night. I called into Counterattack the other day and was talking about like the theory I had for like all football leagues coming into like the restart for all different countries that the like the bigger players are going to take a couple weeks uh, or a couple games at least to kind of get their legs under them, whereas the the, the smaller, naturally quick and athletic uh, players like Steven Bergwijn and uh, like so many of the Manchester City players that look like they didn't miss a beat right right from the jump, uh, like those players are going to just be at a natural advantage like to start it, to start out. And then, I mean, I saw a couple of examples today from players like Ruben Loftus Cheek and and uh, like Antonio Rudiger at times, some big players uh, like for Chelsea that. You know, it takes a couple. It takes repetition, and it takes like a few just uh, overall reps uh, for them to get back in the swing of things. Whereas these, P- Pulisic didn't need exactly. any time. He's a quicker, but he's, he's a quicker, he's right naturally athletic seven. player, and they just get right, like they just got right back to it. And it's it's they're they're taking advantage of a lot of these bigger, slower players who need time to kind of uh, get back in the swing of things athletically and like me- in terms of their mental like playing sharpness. So, because I've never seen someone just drift past Maguire like that, like the way Bergwijn did on Friday. He just ran around him, and then, I mean, obviously De Gea's error is a pretty big one, but for Bergwijn to even get into that area in the first place, that just made me think, oh, Maguire's going to take a couple games here to get back to, like, regular shape. But he's been, he's been, I think, one of, like, the 10 best center backs in the league this season. That's, like... Yeah, that's fair. No, he definitely started off the season really well. We were all talking... Um very highly of him but I think um, these last like from January to March he was having a lot of errors I think it was just maybe the Manchester United defense as a whole wasn't playing that well Um, and I'm sure if they get him a really good center back partner I think that's that's probably the biggest thing right if you give Maguire a really good partner he probably looks a lot better than he is now Um, he hasn't had a consistent partner at all this season someone who's been really good so um, I think having to (laughs) having to play with some of the players he's had to play with has has only been detrimental to him and he hasn't had consistent wingbacks either Um, I think there's been a lot of rotation there too so I think uh, you know they just got to figure that part out and I think I think all he's done a decent job I mean to still be in it for top four um, they were pretty bad in the first half though that's what I was going to say. I, uh, oh, in the first half? Yeah, I mean, they weren't... But, like, uh, so was Tottenham. I mean, I don't think... E- neither, neither of the team look, teams like, looked that, really that good Tottenham's in the first plan. half. I think Tottenham every, were just trying to Mourinho them. I think, has anyone looked good in the first half of game so far? I don't think anyone really has. They like, said everyone's just kind of... Going into the second half of the Liverpool game, they said 18 of the 23 goals scored in the, in the Premier League so far had all come in the second half. So it's like... Yeah. But, but also, we saw Fair. the same thing in the Bundesliga, like, the first weekend... So, and like, honestly, that's why initially I didn't want to throw anything down. I did throw a few bucks on that Sheffield game against Villa, and I actually did get comped back what I put down because the goal line technology company said, like, this is the first, like, fuck up we've ever had. And that was crazy. And so I got the money comp back and then I blew it on the Liverpool Everton game today. Um, So it is what it is. I'd already Venmoed my guy. So it's like it wasn't like the money was already gone. You know what I mean? At that point, it was free money. I see what you're saying with United. I this was a big test for them. And Chelsea getting a win is honestly, it's just going to make it harder for United to attempt to break into that top four. Obviously, Leicester drew, but Leicester had more points on United than Chelsea like it when what a goal from Chilwell by the way and then pretty pretty amazing goal then from first first goal from Craig Dawson for uh for Watford so that but both goals were just amazing both in the 90th minute and that game was pretty boring 
most of the game, and then it just kind of blew up in those last five minutes. So, Some, um, sometimes it be like that. Yep, yep. I, I mean, I, 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 surprising that we didn't have more goal fest. We were kind of talking we, that we might see some three threes, or I think everyone was just kind of trying to stay compact defensively. Um, I think everyone was trying to just you know not concede too many goals, and I think in these next few weeks we might see more of those games um, when teams start opening up and becoming more desperate. I think everyone just kind of wanted to get their feet on the ground um, during these last few weeks, during this first couple of games. So. Right. Everyone, Shit everyone on. saw uh, Arsenal on Wednesday night, and they're like, "Okay, guys, try not to get injured and try not to lose three 0 That's all we need to do yeah. in the first game. Just stay fit and yeah. don't get blown out. Shout out to um, shout out to Crystal Palace who won the um, they won uh, they won the dead mascot game because it was like announced like the day before that Kaya the Crystal Palace bald eagle mascot had passed away and then Palace came back and and won. like that's a big college football thing that people like if if the if the football team has like an alive mascot like LSU does whatever if like the mascot dies in real life the team always comes and gets a win so shout out Palace getting that done um, any thoughts on that West Ham Wolves game, which ended 2-0, with uh, Jimenez getting a uh, late goal and then Neto scoring a really nice goal in the 84th? I'm more scared of Wolves than I am of Manchester United or Tottenham. That, that's Well, that's a change. That's what I took away from that game because they were just so they were just so professional. You know, they just waited that whole game out because they knew West Ham are going to mess up at some point. And then they just brought on Adama Traore, and within a couple minutes, he was just running at uh, who was it? Cresswell at left back, just toasting him and getting balls in. Finally, Jimenez gets on the end of one. Yeah, and then again, Neto gets on the end of a second one for uh, the, this great volley for the for the 2-0 like, decider. And you, you got to give it to Espirito Santo. I know West Ham aren't anywhere close to the top of the league this year, and they're now threatened with relegation pretty seriously now. But yeah, it, it was... It was just a very professional, patient performance by Wolves. And we've got them on the There's last day points. of the season at Stanford Bridge. Six points behind Chelsea right now for that fourth place position. Chelsea on 51, United on 46, as are Wolves. And United hold it in goal differential by five goals right now. And Arsenal down on 40 points, so 11 points behind Chelsea. Yeah, we're not making top four. Oh, really? That one. <laughs> we had to. We had to win. I could have told you that games. before this restart. <laughs> uh, Alex, what did you? I mean, if yeah. Alex, what did you think of your boys who got a two-one victory over Aston Villa and Courtney House in the forty-third, Pulisic in the sixtieth moments after coming on Giroud two minutes later in the sixty-second. Both goals set up by Cesar Spilicueta. What did you think of Chelsea in their first game back? Uh, Wild lineup out there with no Pulisic getting the start and I, Ruben lost his cheeks. I the liked the lineup to start with. It ended up not working out. You were complaining. And it ended up you not working out, that, but like, when I saw the lineup, the I was half. happy to see Loftus Cheek and Mason Mount. It had been reported that Loftus Cheek had been playing really well as the the left winger with Mason Mount just playing in a uh, left sided midfield during the the two or three like friendly games to warm up. So uh, to see Loftus Cheek get 55 minutes, not get injured, and you know, not not be amazing, but uh, not be like a complete negative on the field was nice. Um, and we had pretty good control of the game, like throughout that time, we just weren't as threatening as once Pulisic came on. Now, once the once Pulisic came on, and you saw the kind of jolt of energy and uh, like willingness to run in behind that he he gave, and willingness to run at people that he gave the team. And obviously that goal that he got uh, on the end of the cross for, 
then you automatically think, okay, yeah, pool six should have been started right from the beginning. But that was a good change by Frank to notice that and you know get get that uh, fixed as quickly as possible. And I mean, I know we went down late in the second half after controlling, or late in the first half after controlling most of that half and having like seventy-five or eighty percent like possession. But I still thought like like we have enough players healthy now and we have enough substitutions to make in the second half that like we're going to break through at some point. We're going to have like a little flurry of goals that we ended up getting. And I don't think I don't think Villa had enough attacking threat consistently to really make it like the goal fest they needed to make it to either get a win or a draw. So yeah, 2-1, I'll take it. It was absolutely imperative that we won that game with like basically all of our other rivals dropping points except for Wolves. Um, and then with Manchester City coming up on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, just happy to beat a team that we're supposed to. Uh, speaking of teams that didn't beat who they were supposed to, we'll uh, wrap things up with the Merseyside Derby before we look ahead to a couple of the games coming up this weekend. Uh, Liverpool rotate. I wouldn't say rotate. Uh, Andy Robertson doesn't even make the starting 11 or doesn't make the the match day squad. Mohamed Salah on the bench never ends up coming on. You had... Joel Matip coming off in late in the second half for Dayon Lavrin, who I officially... Everyone's fantasy team was crying. I know. I, no Robertson, no Salah. I do not... What's going on? Uh, well, okay. Come on, Claude. I read that both of them had slight knocks, and I understand with, like, the amount of fixtures coming up quickly. You have Manchester City, I believe, next weekend. You've got Crystal Palace in the middle of the week. I understand not wanting to risk it. And I'll say this, like, Nabi Keita looked good in midfield. He was doing everything that you wanted him to. I didn't think Minamino looked that bad in his first ever Premier League start. There was just, there wasn't a good amount of end product. And Trent Alexander-Arnold had a billion chances to, like, throw balls into people that just looked a little bit, like, just off. And they had free kick opportunities that they didn't, um... They didn't nail down, but they held possession. I Like I said, I was really impressed with Keita busting and doing everything all over the place. I'm really hopeful that he's going to take this pass. And Klopp did another thing that I think I've said before, but I don't like. I really see for us, Ox is a midfielder in the midfield three, kind of playing that same role that Keita would play. And he subbed him on for Minamino to play in that right wing position. And I know he used to play that in his Arsenal days, but I just don't see that as his best position. Like, I would have just... He only got, like, five goals playing, like, 130 games there or something. Like, yeah, he was never I don't, prolific there. I don't... And they were supposed to bring Salah on as the last sub, but they ended up having to use it for Lovren instead. Oh, yeah, James Milner went off, who was playing left back, so then now you've got Joe Gomez playing left back. So that wasn't... Like, that wasn't great for our style play. But, like, Everton came... You know what? Everton came to play. They were physical on defense. Sadio Mane had, like... Like a hand on his shirt every single time he was trying to run up and down the pitch. But look, like I'll give credit to Everton for like stopping us from really what we're doing. And on the few chances that they were able to get on the break, either Van Dyke or Allison handled it well. There was one chance late in the game that that Lavrin totally allowed to happen. So I'm just hopeful that Gomez, it's going to be Gomez and Lavrin or Gomez and Van Dyke for that's the Crystal Palace game at Anfield on Wednesday and. Like, hopefully Andy Robertson's ready to go. But if not, like, I would genuinely start, like, our youngster Keanu Hoiver, the Dutch kid, over Lovren and starting Gomez at left back because it didn't work at all. And hopefully, like, I heard Salah was, like, a slight knock. He just wasn't 100% ready and Klopp didn't want to risk him. I think now you're going to have to bring him back. But this, what this sets it up is unless City lose or drop points against Burnley on Monday... 
Liverpool could win the title against City you, you, at the end. Well, no, you know what's no, going to happen. I think if Chelsea, gonna be, we're going to. I think if Chelsea beats yeah. City, then yeah, no, no, Liverpool we won't have title. to beat them. I think it will it, be uh, City play Burnley uh, tomorrow Monday. If they if, mm-hmm. if they drop points in that and Liverpool win against Crystal Palace, I don't think they will. Then you guys wrap up the it's title. Over. But if they beat Burnley, which we all expect them to, then Liverpool beat Crystal Palace on Wednesday. Then it's Thursday at the Bridge, Man City versus Chelsea. Another chance for Chelsea to gift someone else a title. Um, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. You know, you guys are going to win the title anyway. I'll, 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 I'll assist you if that means we get a win and we're uh, better. Uh, set up to get top four and that's a huge that would be a huge win for you guys too so uh yeah i i think i think that's the big question is when does the title happen because it's you guys wouldn't play city play, until the following wednesday because there's fa cup games we next the, weekend yeah so we play we could will the city will the title be done by july is the is i guess kind of the question yes or no which will be interesting to watch couple big games out like we said manchester city plays burnley tottenham west ham is a nice little london derby on tuesday afternoon that game could be really nasty on the sheer fact that west ham are in total free fall and spurs desperately need points especially coming out after that draw i i want to say that should be easy for tottenham but i don't know if anything's going to be easy Nothing's for them easy. right now <laughs> for jose yeah manchester united sheffield that should be a good game. I think Sheffield beat them in the first game too. No, I think I think the one thing though, they, I think they drew, they drew. Um, but I think losing uh, John Egan to a red card um, and losing three nil this, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, earlier today. Um, I think that might Sunday. be uh, or earlier today. That might be a uh, a big blow for them um, losing to Newcastle. Um, a game that I'm sure they thought that they were going to win um, and get a result in. And um, they kind of got blown off the park. I don't know if that's just because, you know, they may, they might have been a little bit tired. They just played a game three They got the earlier. red card in like the early um, second they, half, like 50th minute. Yeah, they and did. And, after and that. I think, right. And I think Egan is a big part of their defense. Yeah. They have a couple of defensive injuries. So I kind of favor Manchester United here. If, if they were both fully fit, I would say it would, it's going to be a pretty even game. But I think at Old Trafford... Um, you know, United. Also, what the hell is with United and winning all these penalties? I think they are on twelve penalties this season, guys. We've, like, we've been we've on this for a while. This Arsenal is their entire two. strategy against anyone that parks Arsenal the bus. Arsenal have won them. two penalties. They've won twelve. They have like, no other that? strategy. They're, they're, they're like, one, guys, if anyone sits back, they're on one us, penalty away from breaking the record, from breaking the Premier League record. I think it's thirteen. I think I called this at the beginning of the season with the introduction of VAR, and because United already did that, like Martial and Rashford go for penalties all the time. I'm not saying they dive, even though sometimes they do, but, you know, they definitely are aiming to get more penalties than most other teams are. Most other teams are trying to play play football. Yeah. Well, it helps now that Manchester United have a guy who can actually score from the spot. True. That was like the biggest part of like, like what, what percentage of Bruno Fernandez goals that he scored already? What percentage of his goals have been from the penalty spots? Like seriously. 60%, 70%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. Uh, So then we got that game. Liverpool Crystal Palace. And then, yeah, that shouldn't. I, the only notable part about this game is that hypothetically that could be the game that wins Liverpool the title, and it could be 
it's the last team to win at Anfield that wasn't Liverpool in the Premier League was Crystal Palace, but um, I, I don't think they're going to struggle with them, to be totally honest. Southampton Arsenal, are you excited, Javier, or are you just like, like just get me to 3 p.m. on Thursday and wake me up then? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, the way that Southampton played in their last game, they looked pretty good. Um, Danny Ings just back at it, scoring, a, I think, his 16th or 17th goal, the 16th goal this season, and... Aubameyang still uh, we still haven't scored it uh, we scored one goal but it's it, I don't know I'm not not excited for this game um if we had been able to be Brighton then I would say okay you know maybe maybe we'll be able to do something in this game but away from home we've just been so dreadful um uh yeah I've got no real hopes for this game um I'm not sure who we're going to be playing at center back I mean holding holding was misplacing passes during the entire Brighton game and he hasn't played a game in almost a year so I don't really blame him um it's really hard to come into the squad and just come back you know uh, uh at full speed like like very few players have shown to have been able to do in these first couple of games um but maybe if he gets a run of games under his belt I mean he was looking really good before he got that um ACL tear against Manchester United last season and yeah I don't know I'm uh I'm not optimistic at all but I'm sure I'm sure it'll be a fun game I think there's going to be goals um but Southampton's pressing style has never uh, like that type of style. Arsenal's always had a lot of trouble with. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, you know, it, it's going to be a really good test. I, I, you know, I think we're probably pretty even right now in terms of where these two teams are. I think we're pretty close in the table actually. So, um, so take the over in the Southampton Arsenal game. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say more than four goals. Yeah, I'm gonna say more than four goals. I think it'll be a fun one. All right, and then Chelsea, Manchester City, and Alex obviously feeling bullish about out his chances uh, in that game. Yeah, why not? It's a training match. I mean, yeah, we might get killed. I'm just as ready for that uh, as I am for Chelsea, like getting something out of it. But I think we have kind of a good idea now after this uh, Villa game and then with the Leicester FA Cup game coming up on next Sunday that I feel like we can kind of blow that one off. We can kind of just play like even all kids if Frank wanted to and it would be fine. Like we, we don't need to win the FA Cup this year. Like we've won the FA Cup in recent years, like two years ago. We can we can get knocked out of that and just focus on the Premier League because getting top four with these current big signings that we've made the last uh, couple months is absolutely necessary so keep mostly the the same team from the villa game today with the obvious uh, exception for loftus cheek getting taken out for pulisic and um uh god what was the other one maybe Jorginho? no yeah keep mount kovacic and kante in midfield and oh tammy abraham up tammy? top instead of Giroud. because in that game we had most of the ball we didn't need to press against man city that's obviously going to be not or not going to be the case we're going to need to have a full team uh like work ethic to try and work hard off the ball and win the ball in uh, areas that we can create better chances in so having tammy abraham up top with pulisic on the left and william on the right and the rest of the team fully healthy because we didn't get any injuries we we seem to be doing fine in that regard uh, so I, I think with that fully fit team and the way we played against City earlier this season, probably outplaying them uh, for the vast majority of the game and being the first team to ever have more po- uh, possession than a Pep Guardiola team at his home fields, I, I think we have like the tools to at least get a result in that one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't predict a win, but if I was being optimistic, I'd say like a high-scoring 2-2 draw or something. I thought that... Uh 
at least in the Arsenal game, you saw there was a couple of players who did hit the ground running. I think Sterling looked really good. I thought De Bruyne looked excellent. De Bruyne was just pulling the strings the entire game, and they were able to pull him off in the 60th minute. Um, you know, once they'd gotten their two goals, so I think that's going to be um, the like you said, Alexi, the battle's going to be in midfield. Um, and but I think having five subs for someone like Pep Guardiola is a big advantage. Like I it think helps us too, though. That could be where it comes down. It does. You guys have a very deep squad. I realized that today when you were bringing on, you know, a, a lot of really good subs. You have a lot of really good youngsters that you can bring on to to give you extra energy for the team. But I think having five subs is is going to benefit teams like City and Chelsea who have really really deep squads. Um, so I think this is they probably have the two deepest squads in the Premier League, Chelsea and, and City. So I think it'd be really interesting to see um, just tactically how how that second half goes and what the changes are. And I kind of like how the rule is, um, you know, you you can still only make three substitution. Like there's five subs, but you have to bring on two at a time if you want to. You have to use them in three. You can't make five different different intervals, not including halftime. So you get four chances to make those five subs. And I kind of like that. I like these new rules. Um, I hope that they I think they are going to keep it for next season. And it's uh, or I don't don't know. 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 Is it just for this? I think it's just for this. Oh, okay. Oh, because I was going to say I really like that rule, but um, it it definitely does benefit teams like Man City and and Chelsea who have super deep squads and deep pockets. Can can I mention one Um, thing uh, tactically that I noticed in that Chelsea game today that I want to keep an eye on going into that City game on Thursday is that it was the first time uh, in a 4-3-3 that I've ever seen N'Golo Kante be deployed at the base of it. And, you know, that's been like a big talking point for the last two years under Sarri and now under Frank Lampard, where he's been deployed as like the right center midfielder with Jorginho sitting deeper. But today, in anticipation of Chelsea having the ball for most of it and Villa just looking to play deep balls, Frank just put N'Golo at the base of midfield. And every time they got a ball uh, looped upfield, Rudiger or Christensen or whoever it was back defending would knock it down. And it was just easy work for N'Golo to just nip in, like dink it away from someone and not necessarily pick up the ball or intercept it himself, but like make a make a touch that would get it to another Chelsea player and then rotate it out wide and start another counterattack. And that's why it seemed like so incessant that like Villa just couldn't get out because it was N'Golo playing at that base midfield position. I'm interested to see like keeping him playing there. I've always said that he's capable of playing the further forward role too. But if like for the last nine games of the season, we just put N'Golo back in his natural position and just saw what how it played out, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, our defensive record like showed a pretty big uh, upturn because it looked unstoppable today. I feel like Jack Grealish. Yeah, I feel like Jack Grealish. You know, kind of being in that ten role for Villa is a big reason why Conte was there, um, and I think it's probably going to be the same against City, where you want you really want to nullify you know De Bruyne in that position too. So I I feel like it's a tactical thing where um, if you want more of a press uh, on someone's back line, you can put in goal a little bit further up the field. But if you feel like the other team um, has that one really like mercurial player in the middle of the park that can dictate everything, then I think you just put in Golo there to to try and nullify him. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Alex and. Um, I thought you guys looked pretty good defensively today. I, I, you know, other than I mean, the, they they had a, a flurry of chances in that this in the at the end of that first half. But other than that, I thought you guys controlled the game really well. So um, yeah, excited to see if Ingolo keeps playing his natural position because I I kind I like him there too. I think that's where he is at his best. So 
All right, well, that's going to wrap up another episode for us. We'll be uh, releasing episodes here and there with these games coming fast and furious, so stick around. And uh, when you for the latest news on new episodes, follow along social media at Ghost Goal Pod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at Javi Rev 9 And until next time, see you.